Our scripture reading for today is from Matthew 7, and it's Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Give you guys just a second if you want to turn to it. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Amen. Good morning. Hope you're doing well this morning. Of course, we're going to be there in just a minute. I do have one quick thing that I need to tell you. And that is, on November the 5th, which was Saturday, there is going to be axe throwing and barbecue, uh, uh, barbecue, which consists of brats, burgers, cookies, potato chips, all things just hanging out. And there's cornhole. We have 35 men that have signed up, and you are, it's not too late for you to do that. And so please, go online. Please sign up and join us on Saturday from 4 o'clock until 7 o'clock. We will have cornhole, and we will have some snacks, and we will have axe throwing, and we will do that from 4 to 6, and then right around, right after 6, we're going to go ahead and we're going to eat, and we're going to eat a lot. Right? Okay, I was hoping that you'd get an amen from there, but okay. I was like, we're going to eat, we're going to have fun, so... Please go ahead and do that. That's high school and above, ninth graders and above. Bring your kids um, and uh, come on out, have some fun. Uh, now, this coming Saturday, this coming Saturday from 4 o'clock until 7, okay? Amen. I don't know if you have ever asked for something, and in your mind, there was no option whether or not you could get I mean, You asked for it, and you had to have it. December 25th, 1986, I want the Team Murray X20R, and I wanted that really bad. You're probably going, what in the world is that? Hold on. On December the 25th, 1986, I came downstairs on Christmas Day, and there she was. You see it? Oh my gosh, there it is. Let me see. Hold on, I got to see. That's, that, that is right now. See, that right there was supposed to make me into Tony Hawk. In my mind, I thought, this is, this is a treasure of mine. By the way, that Team Murray X20R is worth $1,500 right now, and I don't have mine. Several years later, that, that went in a garage sale or somewhere, or it broke, or whatever the case is. I don't even remember what it was. But I don't know if you've ever just asked for something and wanted it so bad, and then you got it, and it was you were happy, you were elated, you were grateful. But I also am aware that there are times where we ask for something and we don't get what we want. And there is confusion there is sadness, there is despair, there is all kinds of maybe regret or, or, or just a bad attitude in general. 
So there's sometimes where we ask for something and we get it, and there's sometimes where we ask for something and we don't. Well, here, here's, here's our text for this morning. I mean, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for a long time, and we're getting close. The, 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 the landing gear is not quite out yet, but it's close. And we're coming to the Sermon on the Mount, and we, what's introduced to us in our text this morning is the, the issue of prayer. I mean, we can sit there and say, hey, uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount has said over and over and over again, hey, listen, I, I don't want you to be a hypocrite, and I don't want you to lust from your heart and commit adultery. I don't want you to murder. I don't want you to get angry. I don't want you to get divorced. I, I don't want you to judge people like Ryan talked about last week. We hear all of these things that God wants us to do in order to obey, to be a disciple. Remember the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has gathered his father followers together and he's telling them. And then three times in the Sermon on the Mount, he brings up the topic of prayer. 111 verses and three times in, in three chapters, he brings up the issue of prayer. He doesn't address other topics that many times, but he brings it back to prayer. And here's the, the, the issue. I think if we were to summarize our, our message for today or the big idea or what I want you to walk away with is, is this. And here's our big idea. How well we obey will be determined how consistent we pray. How well we obey will be determined. You, you know, our obedience and, and to follow and do what God's called us to do. He's given us a tool in order to accomplish what he's asked us to do. So our prayer life is a fuel to worshiping him, which involves obeying what he's asked us to do. Ultimately, what he's asked us to do, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, when we look at the scriptures, is I want, you to be, I want you to be salt and light. I want you to be salt and light. So 111 verses, the topic of prayer, he says three times. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the third time that he brings up this topic of prayer. But, but before we get there, I think we need to do sort of an honest assessment over this discipline. One of the things I don't want to do is I don't want to guilt us into, oh my gosh, my prayer life is terrible, and he just told me it was terrible, and I feel really guilty. Because long-term guilt is not a great motivation. But I think what we want to do is we want to sort of assess, where are we? What is our prayer life? What does it look like? In order to make a difference, in order to, to follow God, in order to be a disciple, in order to to be someone who is living vibrantly for him, seeing some things change in us by the God of creation. I have been a pastor for, since 1999. I was 27 years old and came to this area. And there has never been one time where somebody has called me on the phone and said, I need to talk to you. I have a problem. And I meet with them. And they look me in the face and say, I don't know what to do with myself. I pray way too much. That's never happened. Okay, 23 years and still counting. Nobody's ever said, oh my gosh, 
I, I'm praying too much. Martin Luther said this, the less I pray, the harder it gets. The more I pray, the better it goes. If I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. Nothing's like a good dead guy to talk to you and really convict our prayer lives when it's, I spend the first three hours of my day begging and pleading and talking to God. If we are honest about our prayer lives, we could really summarize this. We could summarize it as the summary of our prayer lives is either non-existent or it is inconsistent. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, the inconsistent, that's where I am. Some days it's a lot better than others. Some days it's not. We come to the text this morning. We have the God of the universe that's extending an invitation to, man, I want you to come to me. I want to hear from you. And so if we summarize what our prayer lives, sometimes we might be able to summarize them as maybe it's either non-existent or it's inconsistent. Um, the struggle what is the main struggle of our prayers? Is it really that we don't get what we ask for? Or is it really that we haven't offered the prayer? The struggle of our prayer lives is not with unanswered prayers, but a lot of times it's with unoffered prayers. It's unoffered. I don't have a job. I don't have a good marriage. I don't have peace in my heart. I'm very angry. I'm not seeing God move in my life at all. I read the Bible and I don't know what it says, much less what it means. Sometimes we find ourselves praying for the same thing over and over and over again. And that gets us a little discouraged and maybe pauses us to pause and not run to him when he's inviting us to do just that. I mean, Mark 135, it says that Jesus got alone and he prayed. He went off to a desolate place and he prayed. We find the scripture is full of Jesus doing just that. John 11, Lazarus is coming out. He gathers the disciples together and really one of the first times in a in his ministry, he prays in front of them, together with them. John 17, Jesus is praying to the Father. He's praying for us that we would be unified. He's praying for future believers that would come to believe. Jesus is praying all the time. The disciples gathered together. Hey, listen, can you, can you, do, can you teach us to pray? These were, the, these were the followers. These were disciples. These were the ones that went to Awana and vacation Bible school all the time. They had things memorized. Here, here's where they are. They're asking the God of creation, hey, can, can you teach us how to do this? And he does. And when Jesus is on the cross, what does he do? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's praying. My God, my God, why have they all forsaken me? He's crying out. Father, into the hands I commit my spirit. He is praying. And so we look at this discipline we look at this call for obedience, this call to follow. We look at this gift that we have to see him in prayer. And there is just a little bit of a disconnect sometimes in our lives. So, so why, why don't we pray? So why, why is it that we're, we're not 
praying. John Piper said this, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook or social media for that matter will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. It's amazing that he tweeted that. <laughs> Two and a half hours a day we spend on social media, and that's not including the different streaming services that we have. That's only just looking at social media. So what I'm, tr what, what really, I want you to hear my heart this morning is I'm not trying to guilt us in. I'm trying to allow us to do some business as a family to uncover this gift that's been given to us and that's calling on the name of the Most High anytime, anywhere we can, and He hears us. And there sometimes is a disconnect where we're not doing that. Perhaps we're too busy. Perhaps we don't think it makes a difference. Perhaps we've tried and didn't get what we asked for. So we stop. But the scripture is just packed full of examples and calls to come to the one who made all things and will make all things new and come to him and seek him and call on him. And he'll make all things right. And so with all that's being said about prayers in our lives, what I, I, I want to do is I was... Looking at the text, it was very convicting. It was very convicting. And um, I want us to look at the text and be encouraged today. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. It's power-packed. What I believe are some encouraging phrases or words that as I was reading this, these are the three encouragements I feel like I want to offer to you today through what the Lord led me to put together. And so the first thing that I want us to see when we look at this text is the encouragement to ask, seek, and knock. So we have Jesus as God's son, God in the flesh, our savior, the only one who died, was buried, and, and rose again. He's the only one that did that. And he is coming to the disciples and he's saying, here's what I want your life to look like. And here's what I want you to do. But I want to make sure that you know that you have an invitation to ask me. You have an invitation to seek me. You have an invitation to knock. And there's no expiration date on that. There's three words. It means the same thing. I, I want you to pray. The, the words are they're commands and they're imperatives. So it's not just I want you to ask, seek, and knock today and never again. It's I want you to do it every day. The Bible in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says that we pray without ceasing. We don't stop. We're in this attitude of prayer. And so he's, he's looking at us and he's saying, I need you to keep doing this. And what he's saying... I, I, Maybe you've heard me say this What he's saying is, I need you to know that you are never, ever going to pester me. And I'm never going to tell you that I'm too busy. Never. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you have worked at home, especially in the last 
the 2020 to 2022. Maybe you're forced to work at home, but I have worked at home for a long time, especially when the kids were younger. And in our text today, Jesus is comparing the father of creation with an earthly father. And as I was sitting there thinking about being a dad and having kids ask me things, having kids seek me and having kids knock on the door when I'm trying to work, I was kind of frustrated. You know, you're, you're, you have, you have, you have these, these questions. Man, those questions when they are younger, they just don't stop. Amen? They're nonstop. Why is this motorcycle purple? I have no idea. Why, why does, Dad, why do we use powder? I don't know. What kind of question is that? You're asking all kinds of these questions and you have no idea what in the world they mean. And sometimes as a dad, when you get these questions when they're so young, you just sit there and you say, hey, listen, I need to know you've used your quota. You can't talk anymore. I need you, I need you, you, you I, sometimes there were times where I would just say, hey, I, I, I need you guys, no more questions, okay? Dad, dad, needs, dad needs a break. I, I, I can see you nodding right now. You're, 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 you understand, you're like, okay, time out. I'm going in time out, and I'm just saying questions are over. And sometimes we might even threaten if you ask another question, you're not going to get your fruit snacks. Sometimes they're like, um, you just want to go and hide. And they're like little devils and they're trying to find you. <laughs> and they're trying to seek you. And I got to be honest with you. I would go hide. And guys, I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I'd go to the bathroom and I'd hide. It's like, oh, can't bother dad. Just being honest. Don't look at me too spiritual dads. You pulled that trick too. You know, they're asking and asking and asking. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm wore out. Will you please stop? Then they're seeking you and they're running around. Where's dad? Where's dad? Where's dad? And you're just going out and hide. I'm in my closet. I'm over here. I'm, hey, I'm hiding. Sometimes I go into the office and I would be like, Dad cannot be bothered. No questions, no seeking. They would come to the door and knock. They would put their hands under the bottom of the door and wave like this <laughs> and say, I'm not asking questions. I'm just waving to you. And so here, here's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're looking at ourselves and we're like, man, I am wore out that you keep asking. You won't leave me alone and you keep knocking and we're tired. And Jesus is saying, I'm none of those things. Our father is none of those things. He is radically different. He entertains all questions. He never says enough. I need a timeout. He never says, stop seeking me. He says, seek me with all your heart. 
He says, knock and it'll be open to you. I'm here for you. You have an invitation to whatever is on your heart. You have an invitation to come to me and you have an invitation to keep asking, to keep seeking and to keep knocking. And I want you to know you will never pester me. You will never bother me and I'll never tell you to stop. I'm never gonna do that. He is different than us. And that's what makes him God in the flesh. He's different. Sometimes we get ready to ask, and Jesus is like, there's a progression. The Bible says to ask, seek, and knock. And sometimes it's in life where Jesus feels so unbelievably close to you that all you have to do is just sit there and ask, and you're in tune, and you're, yes, I'm asking you. A lot of times that happens in a worship setting or in a life group setting where you're just, you're so close to the Lord. We, you've been there before. I hope you've been there before. And we just feel so connected to God that we just ask. And there are other times where it's a little distant. And he's saying, I want you to seek me. I want you to seek me with all your heart. And I want you to, as Kelly said, open up the Bible and seek who I am because I'm there and I'm waiting for you to find me. And I'm not hiding from you. So he says, come, open the word. You can find me. And then there is this God. I am passionately and desperately in need of this. Just name it. What is it? I'm in need of this and I'm coming and I'm just knocking at your door. And he says it's going to be open. So it's an invitation. It's an invitation. I remember going back to young children. And sometimes what happens even like, like I would sit there and they would be asking a question. Mom, 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 mom. Like nonstop, loud and nonstop. And I would be looking at Dana and I would be, can you answer her? Molly's not here so we can just pick on her. <laughs> can you just answer her? And Dana was like, oh, did she call me? How do you do that? How did you just do that? Yes, answer. Here is God. He hears. He cares. He invites. He invites. So my first encouragement for us today, I know we, we talked about prayer life and we talked about, oh man, it's either non-existent or it's inconsistent. And I, 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 I want God's grace to to, to overcome me so that I will keep asking and keep knocking and keep coming to him. But, but one of the things that he does is he, he comes to us and he says, hey, I, I want to encourage you to know that you have an invitation that does not expire. It does not expire. Prayer is an active demonstration that I am not God, that we are not God. It's an active demonstration that says, I'm not him. You are. I'm bringing this to you. I'm seeking, I'm asking you, I'm seeking you, and I'm knocking because you are God and I'm not. And then the, the second encouragement that I, I, I really want you to see is, is the first one was to ask, seek, and knock. And then there's two words that this is given to, the invitation is given to, and 
Honestly, I just want this to encourage your heart wherever you are, wherever your prayer life is, whether it's non-existent or it's inconsistent and somewhere in the middle or whatever the case is. I want you to know that the invitation that has been given has been given for everyone. He uses this word in verse 8. It's two words. It's a phrase. And I don't want you to miss it. Because as I was studying it today, ask, seek, and knock, I've taught it, I've heard it, I've quoted it. But it really encouraged my soul to see that invitation. But what really encouraged my soul was to look at these, word, these two words for everyone. It is, there is no respecter of persons. He is asking you, I need you to do this. He's asking his disciples. He's talking to his family. As a good father, he's talking to his family. That I want you to know that this invitation is simply to everyone. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. I've read it and quoted it, and like I said this week, it just blew me away. In July 20th, 1996, Dana and I got married. That's 26 and a half years ago. Um, we got married. Dana's dad, as you know, was a pastor, and before we got married, we had to figure out who in the world we were going to invite because he was the pastor of a fairly large church. And I remember the, the discussion and the cost and all this stuff. And, and they just looked at, I remember her mom and dad sitting down and said, we're just going to do a church-wide invitation and invite everyone. And I went, oh my gosh, that's a lot of people. And guess what? They all showed up. <laughs> I was like, oh my word, I walked out there to see my beautiful bride get ready to walk down the aisle. And I was like, there's a lot of people here. I don't know. 450, 500 people all looking at me, watching us come down. I, they were all invited. When I looked at this text and I was sitting there and I remember her dad and her mom sitting there talking about the wedding. It's like, we can't leave anyone out. We can't leave anyone out. We're gonna invite them all. And I just sat there and went, oh boy. And when I sat there and I looked at that and I remember that conversation, I'm looking at this text and he's like, ask, seek, and knock for everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks it will be open. For everyone means, guess what, in Greek, everyone. It's everyone. The one who lost his cool in the way to church this morning. The one who has not had a good week reading their Bible. The one who has never really read their Bible. The, the one who has questions about the gospel is a Christian but has serious questions about the gospel. The one who has sinful thoughts. The one who is impatient with their kids. The one who is ashamed about the state of their marriage. It's an invitation to everyone. May that encourage your soul as it's encouraged my this week. God's grace is bigger than our sin and we must not allow that sin to prevent us from accepting this beautiful invitation to ask, to seek, and to knock. And then the third thing that I want you to see is the phrase or the wording, how much more? As I said earlier, Jesus is going to give an, an illustration of an earthly father. 
And you know what he calls the earthly father? He calls him an evil one. And basically what he's saying is he's talking to you. You have sin in your life and therefore your allegiance and your desire and your, your desires are, are, are distorted because of that sin in your life. Because you have a sin nature and mine are not and I'm different. But he goes in and he talks about this and he says this. So I'm going to go ahead and read verse 7. We'll make some observations here along the way. Verse 7 says this, ask. And what does he say? As the good father, what does he say? And it will be given to you. Notice it does not say everything you ask for. It says it, not all things. Because the, the father only gives what he knows what is best for us. He does not give all that we ask for. He only gives what is best for us. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. Then for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks it will be open. Now here's the illustration between the earthly father and the father that we serve. And then it comes down here. He, say, he asks rhetorical questions. Verse 9. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Back in that time, a stone and a roll, they looked very similar. He said, which one of you is going to give someone who asked for a piece of bread is going to give him a stone for, for deception? Or he asked another one. Or who asked for a fish will give him a serpent. There was a fish in that time that looked like a snake. He's like, you're going to ask for something to eat and I'm going to give you something completely different. He then comes and he says in verse 11, if you then who are evil, you, are a, you have sin in your life, know how to give good gifts to your children, even you who are on that side of sin, you're going to do the right thing. You're not going to give them a stone, you're going to give them a piece of bread. You're not going to give them a, a serpent, you're going to give them fish. You're going to do that. But I need you to know how much more, highlight it, Underline it, circle it. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? Here we have the, the Savior of the world who is telling us, listen, in order for you to obey the Father, it is fueled by your obedience to prayer. And I want you to see that God is simply not a genie and your God, because it doesn't say we're going to get everything we want. What it's, what it's saying is, I'm going to give you exactly what you need, and I need you to understand that I'm a good father, and I give you much more. How much more will I give it to you? When we think about our prayer life, we think about our prayer life, there's a couple of ways that we ask God to answer them. There is really a main way we ask, and there, there is a way that I have discovered that I feel like a lot of times this is the way he asks. I, I'll give it to you. I'll break it down to you. Sometimes when we pray, a lot of times what we are praying for is that we're asking God to diminish the burden. Take the sting away. God, take the hurt away, take the struggle away. Help me deal with this crazy boss. Help me to understand my wife or my, my, my husband. Or God, my mom is crazy. Help me to understand. We're asking in our prayer is to diminish the burden. 
take the edge off is what we're trying to do, or take it away. And I need you to know something. God does that sometimes. He, he takes that situation and rectifies that. But many times, that's not what he does. But instead of diminishing the burden, he increases our strength. And he's good for doing that. Because he knows what's good and he knows what we need. Oftentimes the burden can be lifted, yes. But many times, in those times where we're asking, we're seeking, and we're knocking, there's this transformation that takes place. Then instead of taking that burden away, certainly, he increases our strength in the midst of that burden. My own life. God, I am asking you. We are going to find out if Dana has cancer. I'm asking you for it not to be cancer. I'm telling you, that's what I prayed, that's what I asked, and that's what I asked him to do. And he did not do that. But the only way I can explain it to you is I cannot put into words the overwhelming strength that he gave me in the midst of that moment, in the midst of that season. It was supernatural. And your life, you have your own illustrations of when you've asked for the burden to be lifted. And what's happened is the God of creation has picked your arms up and held them up. And he's given you strength even through that situation. And I find a lot of times that is what he does in regards to us seeking, asking, and knocking. You know, there's one thing that we will always experience when we seek him with all our heart, when we ask, seek, and knock. You know, it's one thing we will always get. We will always get him. We will get him. And in regards to our prayer life, that is what he wants us to have, is all of him. So that, we can make sense of this world and so that we can be on mission and so that we can understand the circumstances that we are faced with and so that we can trust, love, and obey him all the days of our life. Sometimes he diminishes the burden and sometimes, sometimes he gives us strength in the midst of a very difficult situation. So I want to encourage you with this, our big idea, how well we obey will be determined by how consistent we pray. And I want you to be encouraged uh, by what we've talked about. First, the summary of our prayer lives is sometimes it's non-existent or sometimes it's just inconsistent. And the struggle is not necessarily with unanswered prayers as, a, as opposed to unoffered prayers. And so our encouragement from the text, from the Sermon on the Mount, 111 verses, Three chapters, coming towards the end of chapter 7. For the third time, he gives an invitation. I want you to ask, I want you to seek, I want you to knock, and I don't want you to stop. Please, please don't stop. I want you to know, no matter where you are in your life, I'm letting you know that this invitation is for everyone, 
And I want you to know that there is a, there is a father, an earthly father, who will give good things. But I need you to know how much more I will give you of myself. When you seek me, you will find me. When you ask, you'll receive. And when you knock, it will be opened. He's a good father. Here's what I want you to do this week, just as a challenge and as the band comes. I'd love for you to just sit down on a piece of paper as a family, maybe at the table, and jot down the how much more you have seen God work in your life. Have a piece of paper at the center of the table. We all have moments in our life where called, I call them the how much more moments that God works in our lives. Write those things down this week. Be encouraged about how he has shown up in the past and be hopeful for how he continues and he will show up in the future. And then finally, just pray. Just pray. Ask, seek, and knock. He hears, he's not too busy. He will answer because he's good. He knows what's good for us. And through that process of praying, he changes us. That all we want is we want more of him. And that is a true, true beauty of seeking him in prayer. I love you guys. And I pray that God would encourage you in your prayer life today to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, that invitations for everyone. And he has much more in store for us through the power of the gospel. I love you. Let's pray. God, I love you and I thank you for today. Thank you for our text. Thank you for the word that you have and that you have opened up for us today. I thank you for the discipline of prayer. And I thank you, Lord, for the fight and the struggle. I pray that we would fight for prayer. I pray that we would be disciplined in praying. I know that our obedience to you is fueled by our consistency to obey you. So help us not to obey, obey on our own strength. Help us to obey and walk closely with you. Empowered by talking to you. Thank you for not being too busy and thank you for not shunning us or turning us away. Thank you for only giving to us what is best for us. Help us to understand when we don't get what we want, it's because you are good and are holding that back because you are good. Thank you for loving us and for the gospel and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.